0: Good evening, welcome to those joining you from afar. This evening at the Mass of the Lord's Supper, we begin the liturgical expression of the passion narrative, the journey that we've been on this week, and the key element of that particular liturgy is the washing of the feet that we spoke about this morning. And the washing of the feet is a sign in very tactile, simple, obvious terms of a very deep mystery, which is the mystery of our relationship to God, to the personal ground of our being. And that relationship Jesus describes in terms of friendship, which is quite a turning point in religious consciousness, in human religious consciousness, that God relates to us if Jesus is our human visible manifestation of God, the way we relate to him is the way we relate to God, then he calls us friends and we relate to God as in, in friendship. So before we Meditate. I thought we might just reflect a few moments about friendship and what friendship needs in order to flourish. Friend- friendship is, a, is, without friendship, our lives are very undernourished, very lonely. And yet friendships can wither and died for lack of attention for lack of nurturing Simone Weil uh, thought deeply about this and this is what she says about friendship she says never dream about friendship practice it never dream about it but practice it and she describes an experience of one of the turning points in her life where she understood, where she became conscious, she became connected to that personal ground of her being. And this is how she describes it. A presence, more personal, more real, than that of a human being. It was inaccessible both to sense and imagination. It resembled the love that irradiates the tenderest smile of somebody one loves. Since that moment, the name of God and the name of Christ have been more and more mingled with my thoughts. I think she's describing here a definitive moment in her own journey where God and the manifestation, the presence of God in Christ, became real to her, became really present. And as I was saying this morning, The understanding of meditation in the Christian sense and the theology of the Eucharist are really very similar, very complementary. They both revolve around this real presence. And real here means reciprocal. A friendship has to be, at some point, made conscious. in, in, in friendship, in intimate relationships, we come to a point where we speak about it with each other. We say what we feel about each other, what the importance that one is to the other. And this is this is really, in a sense, what uh, Simon Weil is talking about here in this, you could call it a mystical experience, but in this very deep and personal experience that she that she passed through and which changed her permanently so friendships begin at a certain point in a certain place sometimes they don't they begin and they falter and then they pick up and they start and but there's always a, a starting point and they need nurturing they need ex- presence they need exposure to each other if they are to continue. So we could say that our friendship with God needs time, needs attention. We have to make appointments, have to make space for for this relationship uh, to develop. And these are the times of meditation in a very intimate way. Friendship is a personal and a human experience of love, which enshrines and, in a sense, reflects the friendship of divine love. If God is love and friendship is a form of love, we can say, as some of the uh, Christian uh, spiritual writers have done, people like Elro de Rivo in the 13th century. God is friendship. If God is love, then we can also say God is friendship. And maybe this speaks to us more intimately. It makes the understanding of God closer to us, less abstract. In friendship, we have uh, a mutual benefit one blesses the other, enriches the other. One gives to the other. But it's a mutual benefit that doesn't become manipulation or exploitation. We don't use our friends. Or if we do, it's a very superficial kind of friendship. We want something, we'll ask for it, or we'll take it. But we don't manipulate, play games with uh, true friends. And yet there is a, a real mutual enrichment. And I think this also explains why in meditation we are not trying to get anything out of God, not trying to exploit God. And we're not bargaining with God. You know, we're not saying, well, look, I'm a very busy person and I'm giving you two half hours of, of my day and I deserve something back. And if you don't give it to me, uh, then I'll have to reconsider this contract. So we may, indeed, begin our spiritual journey in that way, instrumentalizing meditation, our prayer, as if it were an instrument which will allow us to twist God's arm or to get what we want. But eventually, that rather egocentric motivation begins to fade. And as it fades, we will be led to a a deeper, more other-centered, more selfless uh, motivation for persevering with the the meditation. So the reason we continue may may not always be the same reason that we begin. But that's true of many relationships and many friendships. The important thing, I think, is to see that through uh, exposure to each other, by time spent with each other, friendship brings us deeper into that personal ground of being and brings us together in the case of friendship and the case of those we meditate with. I think we can say meditation creates friendship we find that we have a trust and respect and, and and affection for those that we meditate with even if that's all we do with them on a regular basis even if we don't sp- spend much time with them or have any other interactions there is a a very pure kind of spiritual friendship there are many kinds of friendship uh, friendships you know between politicians that alliances that that don't last long. Friendships between business people, between professionals, and all of these have their value and, and their importance. But what we might call pure friendship, or deep friendship, doesn't have those um, add-ons. It's not about what we get out of, or the convenience, or the benefits we get from the other person. Uh, it becomes, it becomes a simple enjoyment of each other's presence. In a sense, then, friendship at that level becomes a kind of contemplative experience itself. Thomas Aquinas said, contemplation is the simple enjoyment of the truth. So it's something playful, something that you just, like children, enjoy for its own sake, not for what you get out of it. Where two or three are gathered in my name, Jesus said, he will be there with them. Saint Elrod, I mentioned, speaks about the growth of friendship on the spiritual path <clears throat> to the point where the, the two friends, or those involved in the friendship, can say, Christ is present, and Christ is the third between us. Is the space, or the personal space, in which we meet each other, and where together we go with, through, in, and beyond him. So when we come to the Mass this afternoon, might Remember that this is an expression of love, an expression of friendship, very explicitly, as Jesus says, I call you friends. And that our response to that is to allow our feet to be washed, first of all, to allow ourselves to be blessed, to be enriched, to, to be present there's a beautiful poem by George Herbert, that actually Simone Weil loved very much called Love it's the third of the sequence of poems called Love Love bade me welcome it begins, but my soul drew back guilty of dust and sin but quick-eyed love observing me grow slack from my first entrance in drew nearer to me sweetly questioning if I lacked anything. So, this is describing what many people used to feel, many people may still feel, for example, about the Eucharist, that they are not worthy to go to communion, for example. And for a long time, you, you you would see most, actually most of the people at Mass would not go to communion because there was so much guilt in the air so much fear that they were not worthy to do it especially in the Catholic uh, environment so love bade me welcome here is the welcome um, but my soul drew, drew back something in me withdrew from this invitation even though the invitation itself is is uh, sweet and, and open and unconditional. So my soul drew back, guilty of dust and sin, my mortality, my, my humanity, my, my quirkiness, my, my bad habits, my bad thoughts or my anger or whatever. So guilty of dust and sin, all the ways in which we fail or fall short. But quick-eyed love, A love that is quick to notice as as in friendship between people who love each other there's a very quick uh, observation of where the other person is at. You you can know sometimes what is going on in the other person even before they do. Quick-eyed love observing me grow slack and slowing down and pulling back drew nearer to me crucial Christian idea here, is that when we feel separated by sin, God does not withdraw. God actually (coughs) draws nearer to us. Somehow we've got the idea that when we're sinful, we are unattractive to God and, of course, to ourselves. And therefore, um, we will experience God's moving away. It's actually what's happening is that we are moving away from ourselves, uh, rejecting ourselves. But the reality is, and this is what the Eucharist uh, teaches us, the reality is that the more we are self-rejecting, the more intense is is the loving acceptance that God is giving us. But this does not happen, as it were, from above down. It's not that God is sending messages that aren't getting through, well, he is in a way. But it's not that this is an abstract or a distant uh, truth. It's an interior truth. So it's only by sitting in the stillness and the silence and being, learning to be present to ourselves first of all learning to be friends with ourselves learning to face and go through those waves of self-rejection or putting oneself down or low self-esteem or so on only by doing that can we break through and discover that that God is moving closer to us from within so it's not from outside there may be signs in the out, in the external aspects of our lives which we, you, we usually don't recognize if we are out of touch with this co- connection interiorly if we haven't found the source of love within ourselves and found out for ourselves that it is always open it never rejects it's always moving towards us especially when we are in direst need, and especially when we are most dark or self-rejecting. So this is the, again, brings us back to the importance of a contemplative practice that allows these ideas to become real truths in our own experience. We can only really understand the contemplative tradition if we have at least begun to open ourselves to this experience in the first place, if there's some first-hand experience of it. Otherwise, it's going to seem interesting, it's going to seem conceptual, it's going to to be seen abstract. But as soon as the experience has begun to awaken, within us, we connect to the message and to the descriptions given to us by the contemplative teachers of the past, and we begin to understand. We begin to make sense of them. And similarly, say with the Mass, we can only really understand that that invitation to come in, to sit at the table, to share in the the meal, which is his real presence, we can only really understand that that is on the table, that that invitation is, is given to us and it hasn't been withdrawn, if I think we have at least begun to open our hearts to the source of love, the presence of love within us. So starting that work is important but then so is continuing it, and we need, we need uh, support, we need friendship, we need community, we need a sense of connection to a tradition. All of these are very helpful, useful, if necessary, in order to sustain our practice. And it's through those means, also, that our minds and hearts are expanded, and we understand the full wonder and the extent uh, of what it is we are discovering. One of the things we find most difficult today to do is to give time to it. I don't think it's just because we are very busy and rushing around. It's not only that. Of course, we're busy. But it's really that this is the excuse we, we, we give, to avoid the, the first stage which is to sit in the stillness, in the silence, and confront, first of all, the agitation and the distractedness of our own minds, and the pockets of self-rejection or of uh, self-doubt that we will inevitably find as well. So it's because this, at first, may not seem sometimes at the beginning of the journey of meditation people plunge very deeply, very quickly into this friendship with God, into this discovery of uh, the source of love within themselves and it uh, changes them as it did here for Simone Weil uh, more or less instantly and permanently but even then I think that doesn't necessarily last at the same level of intensity and You can't expect to have that kind of experience every time you meditate. So, but for also for many people, it it doesn't. That doesn't happen. It's maybe some time before a a really concrete, as it were, kind of experience uh, happens to, to make you aware of what is actually going on a little bit out of sight or around the corner, or at a deeper level than your self-conscious and distracted mind. Because even when the mind is very distracted, is very agitated, this work is going on. This work is still going on. So you have to realize, uh, if you want to continue with meditation, you have to realize that the seed is growing how we do not know, as Jesus said about the kingdom of heaven. It's like a seed that a man plants in the ground and he goes to bed at night, he gets up in the morning, and all the time the seed is growing how he does not know. So in other words, we have to to be open to this other way of knowing, which is not knowing, not being able to observe, not being able to measure, not being able to prove, but knowing nonetheless, spiritual knowledge. And to begin with, that may be unfamiliar, because it's not a kind of knowledge we, we um, are familiar with in our education or culture. So we may be unfamiliar with it at first, but it has its own power to convince us. We just have to give it time, just as friendship needs time. If we don't contact our friends, we leave it for, for years, Sometimes, or months, or you know, too much water has flowed under the bridge um, to allow the the friendship to be revived. So we need we need to see whether to just see for ourselves whether this is something worthwhile that we are prepared to give time for, just as we would in a friendship, or the time we give to someone we love. The difference is, of course, that this kind of gift of time that we give to meditation, as to friends, is um, leisure time. There isn't a lot of leisure in the modern world. It's leisure uh, in the sense that this is We're not being paid for it. It's not work. It's not entertainment either. And most of our leisure time today is given over to entertainment. Turn on the TV, go to the movie, do something. So this is leisure time, as with a friend, but it doesn't, in a way, you know, you're not, You're not getting anything out of it except what you're getting what it is. It's good in itself. And this rediscovery of the need for leisure, that means to do things because you love to do them, to do things because they're worth doing for themselves, and yet it means a sacrifice or a gift of time to do it. That has a profound impact on our whole life, in fact. We begin to see um, uh, the use of time in our life in a new way. One of the effects of that is, very obviously, that we are less stressed. Our attitude to time becomes more relaxed. We'll also find we can achieve more in less time, probably. And uh, we accept what we can't do without getting into a state about it, without getting into stress. So many people meditate, of course, today just to reduce their stress, which it does. But the way and the reason for which it reduces stress is a deeper reason than you can measure in your neurological pathways. So the leisure, uh, the, the free time, the time to be free that we give to meditation is a very real gift of self, an unconditional gift of oneself, which is what the Eucharist is about. And indeed, what the cross itself is about, as we will reflect on tomorrow on Good Friday. So let's take uh, a moment to prepare for our evening meditation. Let me just, uh, oh yes, we take a li- well, we haven't had a lot. OK, let's take a minute <laughs> to do it. A shorter talk, so you need a shorter break. Mm-hmm. Okay, we'll take we'll take a couple of minutes uh, before to prepare for meditation.